0: Well, hello there, it's Chappie, your British butler. Keep calm, and cauliflower cheese is the name of this game. Hopefully, you're tucking into the Friday fondant, licking your lips, enjoying every morsel of creamy, chocolatey treat goodness that this Friday has in hold for you. And here's another treat for you an hour of audio delectation in the form of your dearest of all, podcast host, Chappie, the British butler. And, you know, I've been doing my butler duties this morning. I, uh, I did go for a little bit of a wild swim this morning, if you believe that or not. I know many people don't. As I said on the little video, I was, uh, I was fully uh, attired in a, in a fabulous Victorian bathing suit. I go for the, um, I go for the stripes do stripes make you look slimmer? or is it checks? I, I don't know. But if you're wild swimming in the autumn, then uh, then you need a little bit of coverage. you know, I don't think the uh, the speedos or the uh, badgie smugglers would uh, would suffice uh, this cold. And then cooking smoke kippers by a lake is a wonderful start to the day. I mean, I, I'm sort of portraying myself, I'm painting a rosy picture of me being some sort of uh, Grizzly Adams outdoorsman when, uh, you know, if I uh, if I chip a fingernail, then, you know, I have to go and see a therapist. It's, it's, it's that type of thing going on. But you know what? I, I would love, you know my fantasy of what? I would love to grow kippers outside of a, uh, you know, outside of a lake. The thing is, they are very smelly. I mean, my grandfather used to uh, adore uh, making kippers um, and incredibly smoky um, but sort of uh, sort of delicious as well and I wonder if they fillet them now because the whole thing with uh, British fish in the 1970s and 80s is you had to deal with the bones and that's what put me off fish for so long because you had to deal with, you had to pick out the bones you had to have the um, dexterity of a surgeon in that uh board game operation when you're trying to get little bones out of a tiny little holes there uh, and um that that was eating fish and chips during the uh during the 1980s for me and it put me off fish i got a bone stuck in my throat just a small one it wasn't uh, anything awful i didn't need the uh, hind maneuver or anything like that but that put me off fish and they very bony fish but now everything's beautifully filleted. everything's um, yeah, but I haven't tasted a I haven't tasted a kipper in years. That's that's a very uh, significant uh, breakfast to have. Um, I mean, it's that gets you going. I mean, there's certain things that uh, that would get you going in the morning. I, I always a bubble and squeak, um, which is like a fried cabbagey type of breakfast, and that gets you going. But the kippers, are the uh, are the ultimate in the machismo for breakfast. Trying to stomach that and, uh, and and get that down the gullet first thing in the morning can be a real problem, but here we are again, uh, as happy as can be, all good friends and jolly good company, as we uh, as we hit the road for another series of uh, podcasts over the course of the weekend. So um, you know, c- cleaning up here, I mean, probably people think I'm a lazy butler now because I've uh, I've adopted a Roomba. I mean, you can adopt Roombas. It's like going to get a pet. You can adopt a Roomba. Um, you have to be aware that the, you know, the Roomba might have some sort of like kennel cough in the beginning um, once you get it started. And it can have kennel cough at any time. It starts coughing and spluttering and stop working. And then you have to be almost like a James Dyson type of genius to figure out how to, uh, how to get it working again. Especially when you've got fluff balls all around. You've got a, a corgi that rips open um, uh, bedding and takes fluff out. Now, that would stop the Roomba. A fluff ball stops the Roomba. Uh, a border collie's uh, fur stops the Roomba. Uh, probably a, um, a very Hassute butler uh, with hair falling out all the time. That would stop the Roomba. Um, but you know what? It does, a quite, it does quite a good job. But, you know, for deep cleaning... You need to get you need to get your hands moving. You need to get the regular vacuum out if you're going to do doing that. Anyway, that's a little bit of training in about the thing. I also went to see the James Bond movie. Uh, we're sort of going to do a little bit of a no spoiler type of review. My first impressions of it. I think I need to see it again. I mean, all the reviewers have seen like four or five times already. I've only seen it once, so um, I highly recommend going to watch it though, because it is a it is a fabulous uh, piece of. Uh, Uh, cinematic. um, I mean, I I guess it's of of an age. It's uh, beautifully shot. I mean, almost like I was thinking in terms of like Ridley Scott when he uh, filmed Hannibal, which is quite a grotesque movie, but it's beautifully shot in Florence, and I think this is beautifully shot as well. Anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But you know what? I have to go and wring out my uh, Victorian bathing suit, let it dry dry naturally, and... uh, I'm Ready for another, another dip in the uh, in the pond another day. And whilst I go and do that and uh, blow dry my hair, you can uh, you can listen to some fine music on Spotify in the uh, Butler Emporium playlist. And uh, we've got some absolute uh, absolute crackers today. And that will be uh, sailing along the way on your very audacious podcast. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese, and it's episode one two seven today. So Normal Service is resumed today. We had a little of a Bond um, special last week. Two parts. We had uh, 1962 up to like the final Roger Moore movie view to a Kill 85 and then 85 to present day. And uh, I'm going to give a little overview of uh, No Time to Die um, or as uh, some people like to call it No Time to Cry. (laughs) It's got, I mean, good uh, reviews across the board, mostly. I mean... I think it's, it's going to be a little bit like Marmite, though. You're going to love it, or you're going to hate it. I don't think there's going to be any, any in-between. And, you know, some of the best movies and some of the best types of uh, media, culture, performances are where there's no in-between. There's no grey area. It's either an ultimate high or, indeed, an ultimate low. But some of the things that we may or may not be talking about on the podcast today, other than Bond, obviously, is um, uh, preppy boys in tattoo parlours. Uh, the best chocolate cake in the world I know I I previewed this a few weeks ago. we never talked about it we need to do that also the um, pandemic of um, people celebrating and uh, uh, commemorating every possible type of anniversary birthday uh, everything you know kids getting married again Um, the first time you lost your tooth all of this is being commemorated on email at work these days, because I think we live in a more virtual sort of society, remote society. My little critique of that coming up. Um, slipped on a hoodie the other day, and I saw myself in the mirror, and I, uh, I nearly fainted. So we're going to be talking about hoodies, uh, Chappie with hoodies later on. Um, they're shirtless, dog-walking, hipster maybe uh maybe we'll be talking about him pajama boy has made some fabulous fashion efforts it's almost like the paris fashion show pajamas every day i see pajama boy uh also the biggest spliff ever not something that i smoked myself but i saw somebody in the little gazebo that uh, that i like to walk around i saw somebody in the gazebo and they were having the time of their lives with the biggest spliff ever uh also the butt end of the bread um, I really want to get to the bottom. I think I talked about this before. I want to get to the bottom of uh, what Shitehawk means. Um, and also, uh, you know, some Zoom etiquette. We talked about uh, everybody celebrating everything these days because we're more, more remote. We're also going to be looking at um, Zoom Russian roulette as well. Um, and uh, also my father, how he likes to, um, when, when he, he has a pet pheasant, no, honestly, a pet pheasant. Um, and uh, anyway, the pet pheasant, he feeds corn every day. And when he's not around to feed the pheasant, this is a trick he uses so the pheasant doesn't get scared. Uh, some of the other things that we'll be uh, discussing on the podcast today AI, artificially intelligent elves, do complete the Beethoven's final masterpiece. We get, there's a lovely little piece on the Harvest Moon as well. Beautifully written. Uh, I'll be uh, recounting that as well. What is Fat Bear Week? What is Fat Bear Week? Sex and Space would be heavenly, say scientists. Uh the Sportsman breaking down James Bond, the athlete. More Bond coming up. Go and watch the movie. William Shatner's going into space in the Blue Origin. He is joining Bezos on his, uh, on his uh, flying penis. And they're going up into space. And Boris Johnson apparently was uh, wearing a white shirt whilst running. Uh, Yeah, Boris, white shirt, so uh, it's a business on top, and party down below. So we like to see ourselves as a sort of class above every other podcast on here, and we bring you the most uh, classical of news and classical of uh, reviews. But uh, today uh, we're going to have a little discussion about uh, artificially intelligent elves, and this is what they are. I mean, you, you think that it's all out there in the cloud. It's all under the ocean. I mean, I think the cloud is uh, apparently under the ocean. Uh, but, you know, they're actually little elves. If you think about Santa Claus and uh, Greenland or Lapland or wherever Santa has his workshops, the AILs have similar like workshops. And Jeff Bezos is the chief elf. That's how you want to say it. Bezos is the elf. He has little elf in ears. He puts on his little, uh, he puts on his little uh, elfin hat. Is he an elf or a gnome? Anyway, but AI completes Beethoven's final masterpiece. When Beethoven died in eighteen twenty-seven, he left behind a few pieces of paper with notes and scraps of melody, for which could have been his final masterpiece. One wonders what he might have said had he been told that two centuries later, a thinking machine. take out those tantalizing fragments and use them to finish off the job an artificially intelligent program has reconstructed half of the composer's symphony number 10 so convincingly that professionals musicians and scholars were unable to tell where the original phrases stopped and computer generated passages begin next week the two moments will be given the world uh, premiere in bonn beethoven's west german hometown it is the first time that an algorithm has recreated the work of a classical composer on this scale. In the past, AIs have written passable music of their own and produced harmonies for melodies from Bach to Mozart, but the attempt to generate a full 40 minutes of Beethoven from mere 250 surviving bars and notes isn't a league of its own. The project was launched two years ago in Deutsche Telekom, a German telecom company which sought the assistance of Austrian music technologist Matthias Rodeau. And Rodo had assembled a team of musicologists, AI scientists and Beethoven scholars to begin poring over the original sheet music. So Beethoven posed difficulties of an uh, entirely different order. It requires us to understand, for example, how Beethoven would take four note motifs like the symphony number five and evolve them into a whole movement. Because of the nature of music being very structured and mathematical, I believe from the beginning that AI, AI can't do that. I believe also that AI has the ability to really understand large volumes of music better than human beings. Rhoda says, I think if Beethoven was still alive today, he'd be using technologies like this himself. Probably he would have even thought of the idea of a project like this. So any complaints is the least of our worries. It does make you wonder though, if like the Wurzels, I've got a brand new combine harvester. If, you know, when they die, you find fragments, you know, The AILs could create a new tractor symphony. Or Aqua, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. If when Aqua descend from this earth and they leave fragments of their next tune, I mean, it could be like a plastic sort of population situation going on. could create a plastic fembot that could ad-lib karaoke or something along those lines. Or Britney, when she finally leaves this mortal coil You found a few scraps of paper that she etched 30 years before. You could have the follow-up for, whoops, I did it again. So I think I need something very, very beautiful playing underneath to talk about this next subject. And it's a subject very close to my heart. I'm going to lean into the microphone and get a little bit more intimate with you, the listener, right now. Something that has been... A big part of my life for many, many years. And I sort of lost my way with it for a while. I didn't think about it. I didn't have it in my life for a long time. And I think I was far poorer for that. It brings a certain richness, a certain decadence to one's life. And that was missing for such a long time. And I'm glad to say that I have rediscovered chocolate cake oh so it was almost by accident i decided to order myself some soup a few weeks ago on uber eats grab hub one of the one of the food delivery apps and the soup was beautiful lovely sort of colorado green chili and a little mushroom soup as well mushroom soup delicious obviously made in some sort of like a beurre blanc or a little bit of white wine or something and um i saw a chocolate piece of chocolate cake i thought I fancy a piece of chocolate cake and you know over the years I've had some wondrous chocolate cake a death by chocolate moist fondant rich chocolate cake Um, but I've had some disappointing very dry affairs you know something where you probably need an extra set of teeth to chew it or it gets stuck in the mouth like you know, Mr. Ed, I oh, really, oh, get stuck in the pocket you know, and you can't, I like a cake chocolate cake right on the top of the mouth and you can't get it off. It's so dry, it's stuck out right there and you need a whole gallon of flugging of ale to wash it down or something. But the chocolate cake was delivered was the, the most magnificent chocolate cake I think I've ever tried. It had the richness, it had the fondant, multi-layered. It was sort of death by chocolate, but a, a certain subtleness to it. I mean, it was dr- a dream come true. And I thought, you know what, I can't eat this in one. It was a huge piece anyway. So I cut it up into three pieces. I thought, well, I'm going to eat this over three days. That's how long I'm, g- I'm going to separate this joyous experience into three days. And that's what I did. And every day, was magnificent as the one before in terms of the chocolate cake experience it was wonderful and then finally i finished the last piece on the third day and a tear a single teardrop went right down my eye down the cheek salty it was salted tears because that was the end of the chocolate cake these buggers at this company, the soup company. I look for it again. Because then I was addicted. I had the taste of a long lost friend. It was almost like being reunited. And it was nowhere to be seen on the menu. It had been taken off the menu. And at that point I started panicking. Where am I going to get a piece of chocolate cake like this again? So I went searching. I worked searching for chocolate cake, on food deliveries, on these food order delivery sites. Something that would be fondanty and delicious and melt in the mouth and give you that rich, delicious decadence that you crave for. I couldn't find anything. So many imposters have been tasted over the last few weeks and they were not good pale imitations of the magnificent chocolate cake from the soup kitchen. But they were teasing me. They took it off the menu. So I have a barren section of my life now. There's no no more chocolate cake. I've gone off it again. Until the soup kitchen reinstalls it on their menu. And as I speak to you, I haven't looked for a few weeks. because it's a constant disappointment. I need a strong cup of tea every time I look and there's no chocolate cake. It's incredibly disappointing. So it's been a few weeks and I haven't searched. And I'm searching live on this podcast right now in real time. So let's look up the soup kitchen. The soup company even. Lots and lots of delicious soups, some of the best soups around. But again, there's no, there's no chocolate cake. In the next section of the show, I am going to call the soup kitchen and find out what happened to the chocolate cake. Stay posted, people. Yes, is this the uh, is this a soup uh, soup company? It is. Oh, hi there. So I just wanted to um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Um. I ordered a few weeks ago. You had that like m- the most magnificent slice of chocolate cake, and I've been looking for this on the menu ever since. Have you stopped making it or something? Our cake? Yeah. No, not at all, buddy. It's here. Oh, I'm I'm on Grubhub and I and I and I can't. I'm a really wanted a cake, and it's like the best chocolate cake ever. Yeah, buddy. You know, Check it. Look under. Look up Danny's Desserts. Oh, Danny's Desserts. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it may be, we do have a all right. All right. I'm going to look for it is it. Seriously, the best chocolate cake. Do you make it in house? We do, buddy. All the desserts from scratch, my huh, man. Well, your soup's amazing, but that chocolate cake's out of this world. That's awesome, buddy. We're happy you enjoyed it. Yeah, check out Dave's desserts, buddy, and hopefully you can see it. We can get that to you. All right. Have a good one. Cheers. Yeah, bye bye. So that was tremendously exciting. So the best chocolate cake in the world is still available. Uh, but I just can't get it, uh, get it off the um, food ordering service. But, you know, that has made me elated. I mean, that's the best news, I think, going into the weekend. That the chocolate cake that you thought was extinct is still available. Anyway, one of the best things I read in the week. It was absolutely beautiful. And it was written by Melissa Harrison in the Times, London Times. And it was talking about, it's Nature's Notebook. And I've, I've read some excerpts before, which are tremendous. I mean, they warm the heart, warm the cockles. But this was the harvest moon marks the change of seasons. And I will recount it. The moon was full and I wanted to see her. Weeks of building, work at home and traveling to promote books had left me feeling lost and unsettled. Unsure of what year it is and the nature, nature cycle. The seasons are a way to mark time and hold steady through changes once I've relied on since childhood. Now I wanted to connect myself to the autumn, which I felt was happening without me. Not just the idea of it, but to its feel and smell and sound. We get only one harvest moon a year, and in good weather it can be spectacular. Once its light was a boon for farmers and field workers working in the night to gather in the last of the crops... Modern agricultural techniques mean that we're now able to bring them in a little earlier, and the arable farms around my Suffolk cottage have been stubble for weeks. The light was falling when I walked out to the village along a sandy, rutted track. Already tawnies were sending out their wavering cries from the dim spinneys, and once I heard the hissing screech of a barn owl from somewhere close to hand. Now and then came the high, unsettling drone of a mosquito while the hedgerows were full of the sudden rustles of small creatures, not all of which to live in the see the moon set. The sky darkened to velvet overhead, and the fields around me become indistinct. Only Venus broke the blue, until at last, above the black paper cut of the tree line to the east, a faint glow appeared uh, through the orange chalk, and had been smuggled through gauze. And then, as I stood and watched from the empty automakers, 2021's harvest moon rose huge and warm and full. Something made me turn. I I couldn't say what. Behind me a shape that was barely visible in the darkness and I had the sensation of being watched. I took out my torch and in its bright beam saw a lone roe deer turn and bound away until at the field's edge it paused and looked and I caught the twin stars of its eyes. I shut off the torch and walked on mars had joined venus overhead and the crickets chirped from the bramble banks and thickets one which with the rhythmical tick of a bicycle wheel a faint drone spoke of distant aircraft somewhere when i reached the road i turned back towards the quiet village at least the constellations appeared the plow wheeling high over the outlying farms then there was a beam of light briefly illuminated the road ahead and i stepped aside to let a car pass but there were no cars The chopper's drone came down from somewhere above me and again I had the sensation of being observed. It was in the Army Air Corps Apache on a training from RAF Wartingshaw. Circling and turning in the darkness as the harvest moon at least grew bright enough to cast shadows, I walked the rest of the way home with an invisible escort that kept pace with me, high overhead. Beautiful. I walked into a tattoo parlour a few weeks ago and... uh, yeah, I haven't been in many tattoo parlors in my life. There was one one time, and I recounted the story very uh, not long ago, that as it uh, started or moved to Chicago, and um, I was with my friend Alan. He was this tiny little Irish guy who actually finally became a cop. Now, Alan was the most Irish Irish. I mean, he was like four foot five or something. He's a, he was almost a tiny man, but you know, with the personality. as as large as the moon (laughs) I mean he he was he was a wonderful chap anyway we had a few too many beverages one night and ended up in this nightclub and it was goth night Uh, it was right right downtown Chicago Um, and it was a nightclub where we were celebrating goth night now I was in a three piece suit Alan had a shirt tie on uh, and we were a little bit worse for wear and everybody else was pierced, tattooed I mean, we really didn't fit in. Really didn't fit in. And um, I went to the, went to the uh, lavatoire, the little boys' room, came back, and I had to drag Alan away. He was just about to get a shamrock tattoo. And I had to drag him off. I mean, this, this, this tattooed uh, um, artist was, was licking his lips, basically. And uh, he's ready to give the shamrock. Now, I don't know if it would be a lucky clover. Depends where it is, I suppose, <laughs> where it's going to be positioned on his body. Uh, but anyway, so I was in a t- tattoo parlour the other week. Um, and the looks you get when you come in, when you're you you know you're dressed a little bit preppy. So, you know, preppy boys in tattoo parlours. And you know, I do not have any tattoos. I've never really had the interest in getting any. You know, I always worry, you know, what supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is going to look when it's all, you know, basically 80 years old and everything's wrinkled and uh, shortened, you know. So, yeah, don't don't need that in my life. But the look when you walk in and you have you know, bare arms, bare legs, no shorts, and there's no tattoos. And you see the tattoo artist, like, licking their lips. They see this preppy boy with no tattoos, and they're licking their lips basically... Getting their hands on a virgin piece of skin. I, I almost felt like it was, you know, I was a rabbit with wolves circling me, ready. I was prey, and that's how it. That's how it felt for me. Um, but you know, I wasn't tempted. Um, you know, I I did think about maybe, you know, Her Majesty the Queen on the left cheek. That could be a good one. Uh, maybe Roger Moore's raised eyebrow um, on somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, if I was going to get a do that was But anyway, they were like licking their lips. I was the next feast. I would be the Friday feast for them, and um, before they go to town on the bear virgin skin. Who ever heard of Fat Bear Week? Now, when I first heard of Fat Bear Week, I was thinking it's some sort of feederism, where I mean people get off sexually by feeding their partner and having an overweight. Uh, rather rotund, it's like, you know, fat ladies singing, basically, but instead of singing, they're feeding her. Um, So there there is that type of, you know, fetish out there. So I thought it might be Fat Bear Week could be, you know, for people who like a bigger gay man. I mean, it could be that interest. You know, there is, I'm sure there's feederism out there to, you know, overfeed bears. But Fat Bear Week, in this essence, is... Alaska's beauty contests would be different. For a beauty pageant, the focus on contestants' chubby figures and missing teeth, analysis of their fat reserves, it sounds like the old rugby club I used to be part of, a description of their appearances grizzled may seem a little off. One of the competitors had a low-hanging belly. Oh, I know the feeling, darling. Uh, another walks with a limp. Uh, some sport... It's, oh, it could be my old cricket team. Um, some sport scars and few with a tendency for brawling... Uh, organizers notes yet so compelling is the lineup for the fat bear week a competition showcasing the ursine occupants of alaska's katmai uh, national park and preserve that draws more public views than the state counted in last year's u.s presidential election it's an opportunity to not uh, just look at fat bears but to consider why bears get fat and how they get fat and what it means to the overall survival in this competition fat is good says mike fritz a resident naturalist not a naturist hopefully not going naked i mean that might scare the bears off the Katmai wilderness conveys just over four million acres and is home to 2200 brown bears from june to mid-october they gather at the brooks river the largest sockeye salmon run left on earth to gorge on fish and bulk up for their months in hibernation you know so they, they, they're getting fat for fasting it's fine during which they lose up to one third of their body weight rangers assess their fat reserves using remote laser te- <laughs> laser sharks no no laser scanning technology of the kind used by civil engineers to assess the volume of the buildings fat bear week operates as the antithesis to that shaming the contest in which piling on the pounds is celebrated and greed is good primarily fitz says it's a ploy for educating the public about issues affecting the ecosystem and wearing awareness of the bear stories and survival um, as a ranger at the preserve for 11 years he's noticed the visible effects of climate change the retreating glaciers the tree line expanding upwards in the mountains. Even though bears are resilient to change, this population extremely reliant on salmon. If this salmon population started to decline, it would be devastating. We would see smaller bears, fewer bears, bears not reproducing. Contenders for the title of Fat Bear 2021 include Holly, known as the queen of copulence, whose appearance somewhat resembles the shape and color of a toasted marshmallow. is missing two canine teeth sometimes gets jostled off uh, fishing spots for younger bears and expends as little energy as possible he occasionally appears to be napping or not paying attention yet one of the highest salmon catcher rates Popeye whose forearms are so thickly third that the youngsters could be resembled the muscular cartoon character is an aging male bet he doesn't eat spinach though Chunk has multiple scars, including one across his muzzle, carries his weight in his rear. He's the Kim Kardashian of, uh, of, of of big fat bears. It's not hesitant to challenge and displace others from the resources he wants. And then Bear 747, last year's winner, was not deliberately named after an aircraft, but his tag turned out to be a uh, pathetic. He weighs in at 1,400 pounds, the largest bear I have ever seen, the butter bean of bears. More than 640,000 votes were cast last year. This year, total is expected to rise higher, um, where Trump and Biden commanded 343,729 votes between them in Alaska. Well, I mean, for the bear's sake, I hope there's going to be no hanging chads. I don't think I very often um, celebrate or thank my followers uh, on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, many more on uh, Instagram than Twitter. I actually look, really like Instagram. It seems like a friendly place overall. But I've recently, uh, in the last few minutes, I have a new follower who basically um, is uh, is in the pelvic floor business, so in yoga. And um, the, the tagline for this, and I thank you very much for uh, uh, Jagisha for, for joining me here. And I think this is one of the best taglines and I think I want a T-shirt made of this. And it's uh, ban- uh, Bounce Back to Continents. No, thank you. I like to give me all trombone. Okay, so trombone. We take some of those heinous headlines of the week and we equate them to a, a raspy trombone or an awful, hideous trump. So... Anyway, we kick off with mum Sue Innes grew frustrated with her son Lashon's messy bedroom. She decided to enlist Uncle Ben to help convince the 22-year-old that enough was enough. Any parent would tell you that trying to get your kids to get on top of the rooms and clean them is challenging and thankless, which Sue Innes knew herself. Uh, Sue, who hails from Melbourne, Australia, grew so frustrated with Lashon's filthy bedroom, she decided to have a little fun on her own. Following a little bit of uh, encouragement from her sister, Sue decided to enlist the help of Uncle Ben. Uh, I was uh, tearing my hair out. His room had been untidy for a while, and as a parent, you feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall, telling them to clean it up. At first, I resorted to shutting the door, so uh, so I couldn't see it. But then I thought I have enough is enough. So uh, she was speaking to her sister, and she and the sister said, "You need Uncle Ben's rice." The mum of three used black grains from uncle ben's brown red and white wild rice medley i mean he had to pick the black grains out it's trying to find the blue m&ms i guess even harder um so to try to dupe her son into believing his messy room had become so unclean that the mice had taken over planting drop dropping like grains in places that he would, uh, he would never think of. And finally, after three days of secret rice planting, Lashen set about tidying his room, making the bed, disinfecting the surfaces and putting all the way the dirty clean clothes and putting everything in the washing and very deep clean and lots of bleaching. I mean, there's disciplinarian for you. That's definitely some wild rice. Um, I think couscous might be more realistic if you think about mouse dropping. So, um, But anyway, the, the discipline that this mother instilled it's definitely, instead of the carrot and the stick, it's the carrot in the shit. And Janelle Zhao from Los Angeles hasn't been able to take a trip for more than two years because her adopted pet Toucan, Tuki, doesn't want to be apart from her. There's no secret that adopting a pet is very similar to having a child. Sure, they can be left on their own for an hour or two, but they're dependent on you and they're certainly part of the family. As many pet owners know, our furry or feathered friends can be a little bit too reliant on us uh, which is when issues start to creep in, like separation anxiety. So one woman has learned that this other the hard way after adopting her adorable pet, Tuki two years ago. Janelle Sal hasn't been on a single holiday or trip away in two years. She adopted the exotic bird because he didn't want to uh, be without his human and she wouldn't change it for the world. It sounds ridiculous, but his livelihood has taken over my life. I don't travel, I don't leave my home overnight or without an adult around 24-7. I don't have a life apart from Tuki. It's a lot. Can you watch my flying two-year-old? It's like having a child. He's beautiful, intuitive, and always curious. These birds are like flying toddlers or monkeys. They'll get into everything. To wonder if, like classical music, a cup of symphonies or something would soothe the boisterous bird. I mean, it works for my dogs. If it works for dogs, it too can. And a golden retriever named Finley has broken the world record for holding the most tennis balls in his mouth and now is his own entry in the Guinness Book of Records. An adorable golden retriever has written into history books, and he smashed the world record for holding the most amount of tennis balls. The seven-year-old pooch named Finley can fit a whopping six tennis balls in his mouth at once. Finley's impressive feat means he's beaten the previous record of five, which stood for 17 years, also by a golden retriever. Finley's record-breaking achievement has been officially documented in the Guinness Book of World Records, the 2022 edition of the brand's annual book said, so when I look at him, I want to squeeze you and love you so much, I wouldn't squeeze a poor dog with you know, six tennis balls in his mouth. I mean, I'm thinking that retriever would be the best ball boy at Wimbledon. I mean, although getting the balls back could be an issue once they're in his mouth. I mean, I'm wondering if there's a world record for slobber too. So I want to talk a little bit about the new Bond movie. Uh, no spoilers, at least I hope not. No sort of inference either. So I went on Wednesday night. I was one of the lucky early viewers of the new uh, Bond movie on Wednesday. And uh, this is the first time I've been in a movie theater for probably 18 months. So you know what? If I'm going to see any movie after 18 months, then the new James Bond movie is definitely the one. I mean, everybody is packed in. But you know what? I want to see the bomb movie in its entirety. Why you little urchins were standing up? I mean, these kids came in, huge, bulky hoodies on, and they stood up during the gun barrel sequence at the beginning. So I miss Daniel Craig and the gun barrel sequence at the beginning. Can you please sit down? I want to see its entirety. I don't want to see your hoodie blocking the gun barrel scene at the beginning of the bomb movie. So, I mean, I was like stretching. You know, I did like raise my back up, stood up a little bit so I could see the gun barrel sequence at the beginning. Busy these and seriously, were blocking the way at the beginning of the movie. I mean, come on, get to the movie five or ten minutes before. Please, why does everybody turn up late to these things? Anyway, it, it, this movie is like a tale of two cities. It's sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, like any movie, really but it really is i mean some of the some of the parts of this movie make it probably the best bond movie i mean the action scenes it was so beautifully filmed like a ridley scott movie i mean it was a lot of daniel craig movies has been mentioned and set in italy but this was i mean beautifully shot i mean it's so appealing and engaging to the eyes i mean and craig probably the best actor to play bond if we're being honest and he was, uh, he was superb in it. I mean, you had a very, very creepy uh, Lutica Safin, um, who, I mean, Rami Malik paid it. That he was incredibly creepy. Uh, Madeline Swan, uh, Leah Sadu was mu- much, much better in this movie than Spectre. Uh, Blofeld made an appearance. I mean, it was. And then you had the regulars, Ray Fiennes. Um, you had. Uh, Ben Whishaw, um, Naomi Harris. I mean, making they were all the Bond regulars. Everything was in this movie. I know Inspector. It was almost like a homage to all the Bond movies that came to it. It was just a little bit too much packed in. This was very subtly and carefully and brilliantly done. You had all the Bond stuff you want. You had humour. You had drama. You had um, moments of uh, moments of sadness. You had everything uh it, it crammed into this bomb movie and it's a long movie two hours 43 i mean i had to stretch my buttocks a number of times if they were going to sleep um and i wish i'd had a martini because that might have like you know even things out a little bit and uh, and made things a bit more comfortable but i highly recommend it there's no bomb movie that will be as polarizing as this one as i said it's a like or a hate sort of thing if who like it are gonna love it Um, as I predicted it has threads of On Her Majesty's Secret Service one of my favourite movies and that polarises the whole Bond uh, scenario as well but I I suggest you go and watch the movie and make your own mind up on this one Um, you won't be disappointed it goes it flies by very very quickly and it's incredibly engaging and very beautiful on the eyes it's well acted the stunts are amazing it's well worth the watch and as I said For many people, this could be the best bomb movie. And for some people, this may be the worst. You make your choice. Here's a few of my little Instagram hits from the week here. Um, So five deadly terms used by a woman. Number one, fine. This is the word women use to end an argument when she knows she is right and you need to stop talking. Fine. Number two, nothing. means something that you should be worried about. Three, go ahead. Do not confuse this with permission. It's a dare and don't even think about it. Number four, whatever. A woman's way of calling you an idiot. Number five, that's okay. She's thinking long and hard on how and when you'll pay for your mistake. And the bonus word of the day, wow. This is not a compliment. She is amazed that one person could be so clueless. And this is another beauty in the weekend. If you see somebody over 40 out after 9pm, they 100% took a nap earlier in the day so we have a little bit percy grower here and um, percy hasn't been on the show for a while he's going to be talking about um uh, yeah how to plant your garlic who do you, my booze! you got first of all you got a couple of garlic choices here you got neck garlic and then you got soft softneck garlic uh they're the choices the, the soft necks best for a more winter the soft softneck variety is a type of garlic you find in supermarkets they have a stiff central stem, you make sure you have a stiff central stem and it produces uh, garlic scapes and produce several smaller cloves per bulb. Okay let's plant. Every single clover garlic is in an individual clover seed. Number one plan to plant your garlic about 10 or 14 days before the ground freezes. Uh, choose a sunny, well-drained area to plant your garlic. Prepare your soil by loosening it to the depth of about 8 inches and add all-purpose organic fertiliser to the soil, or some good old manure. Before planting, eat, bake up each garlic, head into the individual cloves, leave a paper wrapper on each clove. Plant the clove four inches deep, use the four inches, measure it with four inches, stick it in the ground, and make sure you have the pointy tip up. We're talking about the garlic now. Space each clove about five inches apart to get the correct planting depth. Mark a piece of wood, At four inches to the exact. Once your clothes are in the hole, make sure you gently cover with dirt and then cover about six inches with straw. This will help protect your garlic when winter grows. Once green tips emerge in the spring, apply one boost to nitrogen fertilizer and the rest will take care of itself. Remember to cut scapes, growing a hardneck variety when they appear. Cheerio for now. Toodaloo. It's been absolutely lovely having you here for the podcast. 127th. Episode of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I'll be back again. I think it'll be on Sunday this week, so we have another Sunday little session. sunday sermon, chappy. Um, and uh, but you can listen to me across all of the platforms. iHeartRadio. Uh, you can listen on Pandora, Apple Music, Spotify. There's a musical edition. So uh, if you like a little bit of uh, jazz funk, acid jazz in the nineties, there's some corduroy, David Bowie. Uh, also. Uh, a little bit of we were talking about chocolate cake Britney Spears. Uh, we have some Michelle Gale, uh, Neil Young. Also, uh, we have a little bit of the Beatles, uh, some uh, bomb music as well. I mean, so much crammed into the uh, into the hour there. This poem is by Robert Frost. Oh, hushed October morning, mild thy leaves have ripened to the fall. Tomorrow's wind, if it would be wild, should waste them all. The crows above the forest call. Tomorrow they may form and go. O hushed October morning mild. Begin the hours this day slow. Make the day seem us less brief. Hearts not averse to being beguiled. Beguile us in the way you know. Release one leaf at break of day. At noon release another leaf. One from our trees, one far away. Retard the sun with gentle mist. Enchant the land with amethyst. Slow, slow, for the grape's sake if there were all whose elaves already are burnt with frost whose clustered fruit must be lost for the grapes sake along the all again thank you very much for listening to this podcast today i will be back uh, towards the close of the weekend i just want to wish my adorable daughter cat a very happy eighth birthday today love you my lovely love you my darling anyway until sunday cheerio for now